This is the GDC Life podcast. That, that's a powerful song, don't you reckon? And God, God's a you know, Jehovah sneaky sometimes. You know, Je, you know, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah. There's a lot of I used to know all the Jehovahs. I'm trying to remember them. Um, but Jehovah sneaky. Why is he sneaky? Because we sing songs like "You Can Have It All, God." You can have it all, God. Every part of my life. I just, I just think sometimes I look at from God's point of view. He's on the throne looking at us. You can have it all, God. We pour it out in every part of my life. And he goes, yeah, I've told you how to do it. It's in the word. It's really, really clear. It's easy to sing it. And sometimes we sing it and we connect with God. But what does it mean to have it every part of my life? That he owns us. That he actually, he actually owns us. He's bought, up his, he bought us with his blood. Not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. It's in First Peter. He bought us. We belong to him. What does it mean to say, Jesus, Lord of my life? Lord is owner, king, leader. He's the, he's the master. We're the children. We're the sons. We're the daughters. We're the servants. I want to I start with Luke um, chapter 16. I, I really want to speak into the foundation of our church. The foundation of the future, where we're going, but also the, this foundation is what got us here so far. Did you know that? Like, how do we, how do, like, how do we get here? Well, there's these truths that we have built upon. And Luke chapter 16, pick it up from verse 10. Jesus says, this is his words, he who is faithful in a very little thing is also Faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? Now, he's actually talking about money here. Because before that, he was talking about money, the wealth of unrighteous. You know, and talking about the, the people of this world sometimes are wiser than the people of um, the kingdom. And he talked about that's the parable before in chapter 16, verse 1, all the way through, a rich man. It's talking about money. It's talking about managing money and wealth. And so when he talks about he who is faithful in little things, he's talking about finances too. It, is, it does apply to every part of our life, but he's actually referring to finances in this area because he says he who is faithful in little things is faithful over much. He who is unrighteous in very little things is unrighteous over much. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, what's unrighteous wealth? The wealth of this world, he calls it unrighteous wealth, and some translations say unrighteous mammon, which is money, right? Unrighteous money, who will entrust to you the true riches. Like God uses the way we take care of finances as a test to trust us with the true riches. So, so what is the true riches? To me, I mean, the, the, the true riches has got to be God's presence, God's spirit, God's anointing, God's God's presence on me. That's the true riches. So because we all got our definition of what we think wealth is or what we think true riches is or what we think prosperity is. But having all the money in the world is not a picture of a prosperous man or true riches in the eyes of God. Because that's only one very small part of your prosperity being healthy. You know, what did, what did First John, the, the Apostle John, great, great, ama uh, great amazing man who loved Jesus, John the Apostle, he said, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So our soul has to prosper 
with true riches before our health, profit, our health prospers and our physical life prospers. Everything else prospers outside of our soul prospering. It's when you see things properly from your heart and you see things properly from God's point of view, you start to prosper. So this is why I believe Jesus is saying that if you're not faithful in unrighteous wealth, who would trust you with true riches? God actually looks at this and it says, I'm testing your hearts to see if we really, you can have it all, God. And if you have not been faithful in the use of what is another's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one or love the other, or else he will be devoted to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and money or God and wealth. So he referred, Jesus referred to wealth as a master. It can be a master if we let it be our master. Money is a, ba- a really bad master, but a really good uh, servant. Because when, when Jesus is your Lord, money becomes your servant. So we, we as believers of, and, and, and submitted to the king, we have no problem with money. We, we don't think money is going to distort us. We don't think money is going to, oh, I'm scared of money. No, no. We know that, you know, a lot of people quote, quote this wrong, but we know that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The love of it. When you love money and, you, and it becomes your God, yes, there's a danger in that because now your motivation is for money. Because you think money is going to give you happiness or you think money is going to give you peace. You think money is going to give you security. So then you'll go after money at the expense of your relationship with God. So Jesus calls it a master. He calls it a God. But you can't have two masters. So right now, there's people in this room, we either love God, or guess what? You're going to love the opposite. You're going to love money, wealth, material things, this world. Jesus says you can't have two masters. You'll either love one, hate the other, or you hold to this one and you despise the other. You can't love God and love money. I can't love God and say, I, I, I mean, I love money, but I also love God. It just doesn't work. Jesus is trying to show us that, that, that your, your heart will be d- divided in its devotion. Right? It's, it's, it's quite clear. And verse 14, this really, really stands out something uh, to the Pharisees. It says, now the Pharisees who were lovers of money were listening to all these things and they were scoffing at him. They were upset with Jesus. They were scoffing means to, to put down, to criticize, to ridicule. They were scoffing Jesus because Jesus was talking about money and loving money above God. And so, so if your heart isn't in the right place, you, every time that someone in the church or any time the church talks about money, it's like, I'm uncomfortable. Why is he talking about money again? So if you're a little bit scoffing, maybe God's trying to say, I'm testing your hearts. If you're a little bit upset, a little bit uncomfortable, why, I mean, if the church doesn't talk about money... How are we supposed to teach about the way we view money? The way God wants us to view money. I mean, money is quite important. You and I give a, a, big part, a big portion of our life. We exchange it for this monetary value. Now that we get up in the morning, work all day, you know, whichever way you work, but you, you give your gifts, your talents, your ability, your time, your energy, you know, your, your, your skill, what you've trained yourself. Time is really, really important. You've given all that for... A reward of money. So it does represent who you are to some degree. That's why can, it, when, when God says give to him 10%, it could be what? 10%? Especially when you're not used to it. Now, when I first was not a believer, and I, I, you know, I didn't know these ways at all, and I came to the kingdom, and I became born again, and I got, I, I, I got saved by the gospel of God's kingdom, 
and I've come into a new kingdom, a new realm of life, a new creation realities. When I heard about tithing, because my heart was right, my heart was given fully to God, I thought, is that what do we do? Yeah, oh, yeah, we tithe 10%. The word tithe means 10%. And the Lord, the Bible says to bring him the first 10%. I thought, okay, no worries. I had no problem with it. Well, absolutely. Is that what we do? I didn't even have the revelation from the word. It says everyone else does it. Well, I'll do it if that's what you ask me. If that's what the Bible's saying, then I saw it in the Bible, of course. Then I started reading the Bible and realized, okay, it's there. So 10%, tithe, the actual word in the Hebrew means 10%. God's not even asking for all what we work for. He's not saying, give me 90%. He's not even saying, give me 50% and you work on, you know, live off the 50%. He says, give me first 10%. I believe this pattern... It's a pattern to live by. It's, it's a principle by God. Put it in place. It's a pattern of lifestyle that if you do these things, and I'll show you God's wisdom behind it, you will be extremely blessed. Not just you individually, but the church, God's provision is, is planned and patterned and purposed in everyone bringing all their tithe into the storehouse. You'll be surprised. I've been leading for 30-something years. I've noticed over the... You know, the many, many years of leading the wisdom in this and realizing that, God, you provided, your provision is made up in our willingness to bring the first tithe, the first fruits, the tithe to God, his kingdom first. And if all people brought all the tithe to God, I'm telling you, there'll be more than enough to get the job done to preach this gospel of the kingdom to the nations of the world. I'm serious. It, it'll, it, it'll be more than enough. When I, when I say all the tithe, that means everything. That means someone gave you $100 for your birthday. It's an increase. So you tithe it. It means that and it means if you won the lottery. So some people go, if I won the lottery and I won $40 million, I would tithe $4 million. Not if you're not being faithful in the little things. Not if you're not tithing with $1,000 a week. I'm telling you, you won't do it. I just want I believe the words of Jesus. Jesus says, if, he, if you're faithful in the little things, you will be faithful over much. I used to read it like this. If you, he who is faithful in the little things will one day into the future be faithful over much. But he didn't say that. He says, he who is faithful in little things is also faithful over much. It's the test on the little things that makes you qualified to be faithful over much. If you want God to give you more, you've got to be faithful with what God has already given you. And the test is with finances. You okay? You still there? I want to read something. Look, this, this guy, a guy called Lighton Farrell, was the minister of Highland Park Church in Dallas for many years. He tells of a man in the church who once made a covenant with a former pastor to tithe 10% of all their income every year. So these, a pastor and one of these believers said, let's make a covenant together that whatever we make, every single dollar we make as we start our business, we'll give 10% to the kingdom. He says, but things changed. The layman tithed $1,000 when the year he earned $10,000. Then he tithed $10,000 the year he earned $100,000. And $100,000 he tithed the year he earned $1 million. But the year he earned $6 million, he just could not bring himself to write out that check for $600,000 to the church. Right? And it's easy to look at him and go, yeah, well, come on. If you, God bless you that much, you would. But... He telephoned the minister, long since have, having moved to another church, and asked to see him. Walking into the pastor's office, the man begged to let him out of this covenant that they made together. 
Say, let me out of this covenant, you know? This tithing business has to stop, he says. It was fine when my tithe was $1,000, but I just cannot afford $600,000. I can't afford $600,000. You've got to do something, Reverend. And the pastor knelt on the floor. He prayed silently for a long time, just, just praying to God. Eventually, the man said, what are you doing? Are you praying that God will let me out of this covenant to tithe? And the pastor said, no said the minister, I am praying for God to reduce your income back to the level where $1,000 will be your tithe. You know, you'll be surprised, but that is a true lesson sometimes. We've got to learn the lesson. He wants to trust us where we are now. You don't say, one day when I come into a lot of money, then I'll tithe. One day when I'm blessed, God must understand, I've got to pay all these bills. No, it's this principle of putting the kingdom first. It's this heart to say, God, your kingdom and, the, and your priority of your purpose of preaching this gospel to lost souls so people can be saved. Put in your kingdom first. People can be set free. People can be delivered. People can be pastored. Put in your kingdom first is more important to me than my own house needs. If you know John, Mr. John Rockefeller, John D. Rockefeller, I think he was one of the first Rockefellers. There's one of the wealthiest families in the world. He says, I, he goes, I would never have been able to tithe from the first million I've made if I had not first tithe from my first salary I had made, which was $1.50. He learned the principle of tithing when he was making from $1.50. Well, I don't know if the tithe was $1.50 or was only $1.50. So the, the question lies, because as, as believers, our heart, if you're a born-again believer and you truly have made Jesus your Lord, your heart's in the right place. You want to serve him you want to please him you want to do this for him but sometimes there's wrong thinking wrong teaching i've had people come they go on the internet and they, they find all these wrong teaching and wrong emphasis about well, we don't need to type because it's under the law and we're not under the law anymore and all these sort of things and they take the scriptures out of context and and, and a lot of times people the things that you read in the internet you don't even know who those guys are they, they usually have done nothing for the kingdom no fruit to their life but yet they're giving you their opinion and you're taking it. So don't listen to what's wrong. Look, listen to the Word of God and what the Word of God says and the words of Jesus. When people say it, tithing is under the law, we don't have to do it anymore, it's, it's, it's a little bit silly. It's almost like some people say, do we have to tithe once we're saved? Do we have to tithe? I mean, it's, first of all, the question's wrong. It's like saying, I'm married to my wife. Do I have to kiss my wife? Or I'm married to my wife. Do I have to talk to her? Why would you even ask that? You know, it's like people have said it. I'm the great, you know, I don't pray because I'm under grace. What are you talking about? You don't want to pray. Do, do we need to pray to be saved? Do, should we, you know, almost how much should we pray so we can be saved? It's a question you shouldn't be asking. If I'm married, of course I'm going to talk to my wife. Of course I'm going to minister to her. Of course I'm going to give to her. It's, it's, a, it's a, a principle of the heart because. Because first of all, the law did not come up with the tithe anyway. God, God, Abraham was one of the first ones who tithed. But you know, even go back to Adam and, and Adam and his children and Abel and Cain. Abel gave the first fruits. First fruits. Cain, after a long period of time, he pretty much gave what was left over. He used up his things. It wasn't called the first fruits. Abel's was called the first fruits, but he didn't have the first fruits. He gave what was left over and then brought it to God. And that's why God didn't accept it. So that was a principle of a tithe. It's the principle of putting God first in your life. And so 
But then we, we know Abraham, he tithed to Melchizedek, and Melchizedek was a type of Christ. Was, was a high priest to the Most High God. And Abraham gave a tenth of the spoil of everything he gave. He, he tithed it to Melchizedek. That's 400 years before the law even came in. 400 years. And we should, you know, we should, you know he's the father of our faith, so we imitate his faith. But uh, we, we read in Genesis 28, actually Genesis 26 verse 13, I love this about Isaac, his son, this is Abraham's son. The man became rich, Isaac did, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy to the point where the Philistines envied him. So he, he, just, he just got wealthier and wealthier and wealthier and became rich and rich. And we know, and, and I believe he learned the tithing personally from Abraham, his father. We see Gen, uh, Genesis 28 verse 22, Jacob also tithed of all, he says, this is what Jacob said, and of all you give me, I will surely give you a tenth. Where did Jacob learn this? Obviously from his father and grandfather. Jacob was doing it this is two, two generations after Abraham, before the law is even coming in. And he says, everything you give me, I'll give you a 10%. I'll, I'll bring it before you. The, the law ratified the wisdom of tithing. So it, it confirmed it. It was like saying, yes, do this. And, and when you look in the law, and you know, when I first started the church 32 years ago, because I was a Christian for three and a half years, so I have no formal training, and now I'm a pastor, and I'm preaching to other people. It took me a while to do this. It took me a number of months. And, and um, I remember the Lord saying, Leo, you need to teach people about tithing. I said, but Lord, I don't want people to think I am started a church because I want money. I, don't, I didn't want to teach it. I just wanted to stay away from it. The Lord kept saying, Leo, it's good enough for you. You're tithing and offering, aren't you? I said, yeah, of course I am. Do you believe you're blessed because of it? I said, yes. So you need to teach people. I said, but Lord, I always fighting him for a while. And one time... Um, as I'm having this conversation with God, like right there and then, talking with the Lord uh, you know, for the last few days, uh, uh, he's telling me, Leah, you need to, you need to. And I said, no, I don't want to. And I'm just arguing with him. I go to one of our Bible studies. One of the ladies who's a hairdresser started um, a Bible study and had heaps of people there. And she said, Leah, Leah, guess what? I said, what? I could say, guess what? The Holy Spirit spoke to me. I said, what do you mean the Holy Spirit? God spoke to me. Really? I don't know what's happening. I'm thinking, yeah, what did he say? He says, I'm in God's presence and I'm praying and I was feeling his presence and I stopped and I said, Lord, speak to me. And he said, I heard, he, she said, I heard God say to me, you have robbed me. And then I said, what did you say? I said, what do you, she said, what do you mean I've robbed you? That's all she heard. I said, wow. I went to Genesis. I mean, God's working on my heart as a pastor. You need to teach it. I, just went to, I went to uh, sorry, um, Malachi and I just let her read it. If you know Malachi... This is where, sorry, if you know Malachi, this is where God says, verse 8, chapter 3, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me, but you say, how have we robbed you? This is exactly what this lady said to, to, God, to the Lord. And then the Lord says, in tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse. Now, God doesn't do the cursing. Please understand that. It's like, if you obey my word, you will walk in the blessing. If you don't obey my word, you won't walk in the blessing. But what's the opposite of blessing? Cursing. If you obey my word, you'll have an umbrella of protection. So you won't get wet from the rain. But if you don't obey my word, you won't have an umbrella. Where are you under? You're going to get wet. You're under the curse. So understand how this curse is put there, right? It's not God putting a curse on us. It's just God saying, this is how I will bless you. Do these things and you will be blessed. Right? And... and you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Now, think about that robbing word. Now, 
It is true that we're robbing because it belongs to God in the first place. Please understand that. Everything belongs to God. God, everything belongs to him. Now you can have it all, God. Everything belongs to him. And God says, well, give me this portion because this portion I want to use it for my people, for the church, for the fervorance of the gospel. This is what I will do. But what does God end up doing with the money? He ends up spoiling it back on his people, on you. It's for your spiritual benefit so that there would be food, spiritual food in the house of God. Right, so he spoils it back on us. But someone said it this way, which I thought I liked that. And he goes, it's, it's, when God says, you're robbing me, it's like you're robbing me of the blessing to be blessing you. Because God owns everything anyway. Even that tithe that you're trying to keep, he owns it anyway. And you, you never can keep the tithe. I don't know if you know that. You can try to keep it. But Old Testament tells you, if you go through a hard time, and the question was, what happens if I I, I use my tithe and I redeem it? What happens if I need to use it? As when you're going through a time, oh, God understands, I'm going to use it. The Old Testament tells you, I've got scriptures, God says you can do that, but add 20% to it. You'll be taxed, spiritually speaking, 20%. I believe you're giving the enemy access personally because you're saying you're using something that God has put aside. The scripture says it's holy unto the Lord, the tithe. Every firstborn child, holy, set apart unto the Lord. A firstborn lamb, firstborn you know, animal was set apart, broke the womb. Give that to God first. But what happens if I don't get any more? What happens if this, lamb, this sheep doesn't make any more babies? Give the first one to God. The one that's without spot and wrinkle. Give it to God first. And then you're trusting God's provision. You know, you know, the tithe isn't a tithe when you pay all your bills, mortgage, you know, electricity, uh, food, groceries. And okay, what's left over? Oh, that's left over. We'll give that to God. That's not even the tithe. The tithe is first 10%. You put him first. Well, Christine and I have done this for 30. We've been married for 30 years in December. And, we, and I've been saved for 35. So ever since I became a Christian, we've done this in our, my personal life before I was married. But even married, completely every, every single thing God's ever blessed us with. That means when my mum died and our house was sold and we give it to all our, you know, we separated for us three children, we tithed the, the, the money from the money that we got. Why? Because there's an increase. I'm telling you, we've been so blessed from it. We're, we're extremely blessed. You think, but you've been living on way less than 90% because we give offerings too. Way less than 90%. You're living on like 80% or so, 85, 80, whatever it is. You're living on so less. You know what? We're way blessed by doing it that way. So people say, the, the, the tithers say um, they are blessed. That's their testimony. The non-tithers say, I can't afford the tithe. That's, their, their, that's usually their testimony. I can't afford a tithe. But when you give God what belongs to him, and yes, you might have 90%, that 90%, because it's anointed and set apart and it's holy, it'll work for you way more than the t- 100%. There is a scripture. I'm going to give you scriptures all over the place. But there is a scripture that says, let me find it for you. It's in Corinthians. Where are you? If the first fruit, I'll have to give it to you when I find it. But if the fruit, first fruit is holy, the, when, when you give the first fruit to God is holy, the lump is also holy. So when you take away from the first fruit of this, what's left over is also holy. So, so if the tithe is holy, set apart for the purposes of God and the kingdom, your unrighteous mammon, unrighteous wealth becomes holy. It, it works for you better. I, 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 I would have 
So some people say, I don't have the faith to tithe. I don't have the faith not to tithe because I believe his word. And I, and I see his hand on us over and over and over. And so Malachi, he says, let's finish it. Um, he says, bring the whole tithe. And there's that word again, whole, not just some of it, not every now and then. But anytime there is increase, I believe with all my heart, this is God's purpose, God's provision. Anytime there's increase in any one of our lives, you bring it first to the house of God. So there'll be store, food in the storehouse. Bring the whole time into the storehouse. What for? So that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this. This is the only place in the whole Bible that God says, test me in it. Test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. God just does that. He's the God of the universe who can do that. We had a testimony at a prayer meeting. It's so powerful. She, I don't want to spoil it for, for her. She should, she should share it. But it's just amazing how God blessed her when she gave to the house of God her last her tithing offering and she had $7 left. And she said, I want to do that for the next two weeks. It's like 50 cents a day. I'm going to, she's obviously concerned about it. She went to work that day. The boss calls her in and blessed her with a, ri- a raise Got rid of her debt, which I don't know what her debt was, but the boss said, I'm going to fix your debt, and you won't have a debt, and put $50 in an Opal card. Like, God just blessed her, blessed her, blessed her, blessed her. She was in tears. She was in absolute tears telling us the story. Because God knows how to take care of us. Um, I would open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you. See, God gets on your side and rebukes the devourer for you. He gets on your side and he goes, I will just... So that it will not destroy the fruits on the, of the ground, nor will your vine in the fields cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. All the, nations, all the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. It's this God's pattern. How can the nations call us blessed? If we do his word and there is, store, there is food in the storehouse. What's that mean? Food. What's God mean by that? We don't have... We didn't have physical food. In those days, they actually had crops and they had harvests and they actually had the harvest of the crops and they had the animals and they had full-on storehouses. And the, you know what it was for? It was for the Levitical priesthood. What does that mean? Because when I was a young pastor, I said, Lord, what am I supposed to do with the tithe? I need to know what I do with it. I had to study the Old Testament, study the New Testament, find out what does the Bible say about tithing? Where as a pastor, where should, what should I spend it on? And I found that I believe the tithe is for the Levitical priesthood. And guess what? The Levitical priesthood were not, were not given land as inheritance. Now when they took the promised land, there was 12 tribes. 11 of them got allotted physical land for them to work the land, to, to work, to plow the land, sow the land and agriculture and get a harvest from it. They live off that. But they were told to give 10% to the Levitical priesthood and the Levitical priesthood could not have land. Why? Because they dedica- dedica- excuse me, dedicated themselves to the work of the house of the Lord. They dedicated themselves. What for? So that everyone else could be blessed with the word of God, with worship. There were thousands on the worship team in the Levitical priesthood. Thousands, musicians, thousands, hundreds of trumpeters. Talk about overdoing it. If we had 300 trumpeters up here playing the trumpet, you'd go, what? That's overwhelming. That's loud. That's what they had. And so 
I remember a, a, a friend of mine, when I first started the church 32 years ago, he was leading a small church in Burwood as well. I was in Burwood, and he was a teacher. And I remember he'd say to me, how do, how do you do this full time? I said, I don't know. Like, I was living at home. That helped. My Italian mum. So for food was ready for me all the time. Uh, and so, but I, I, I was able to do it full time when I had no wage. And the wage was so tiny. And I said, but one of the key things was I started teaching on tithes and offering. So at that point, I started to receive a small wage, and, 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 but he had to work full-time as a teacher. And he, he never taught it. He said to me, I, I've never taught on that. And I, I think at that point, he didn't want to or didn't. And he was a full-time teacher, but he had to find a message, get a message, deliver the word to the people. It's a, bit, it's a lot different. That we're able to dedicate ourselves to prayer, to seeking God, to fasting as the Lord leads, and, and getting fresh revelation, fresh manna, fresh word, so that we get, you guys, we, all of us, get equipped as a family, to grow, to be anointed, to move on. So that we can be blessed in the Lord, God's way. Amen. You might say, but Leo, where's that in the Bible? Matthew 23, verse 23. Jesus spoke about it. He says to him, woe to you. And this is out of the words of Jesus himself, right? Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. He says, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices. Your mint, your dill, and your cumin. Could you imagine this? Your spices, 10% of that, 10% of that, 10% of that, that belongs to God. You know? And God is saying, you hypocrites, why? He goes, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law. You have neglected justice. You've neglected mercy. You've neglected faithfulness. And look, Jesus says, you should have practiced the later, which is talking about justice, mercy, and faithfulness, without neglecting the former. So from the words of Jesus, our Lord himself said, you should, have, you should not neglect the former. Now, you're getting very religious about your tithe, and you know, you're doing all this legalistic, but you're not even living in mercy, grace, and love, and faithfulness. They're the heavier things of the law. Don't forget the later, but don't, don't neglect the former. It's a perfect example for Jesus could have said, I'm, I'm in the new covenant now. I have come into the scene. You don't have to tithe. He could have said it, but you can't find it. Jesus didn't say it. He had a perfect opportunity to say, but he didn't. Matthew 5, which we won't have the time to go through it, but Matthew 5, verse 17, um, it's Jesus giving us the new covenant higher standard of the old covenant. You know, when, when people say it's under the old covenant or it's, this is under the law, we don't have to do it now because we're under grace. Well, just because you're under grace, does that mean you can now commit adultery? If, the, if under the old covenant you shouldn't commit adultery and you shouldn't steal, you can't say, I'm under grace now, I can now steal and I can commit adultery and still be forgiven. No, you, you can't pass that on like that. People have tried. People have said, you know, I'm under grace now, I don't have to pray. I'm under grace, I don't do anything unless I want to do it. Well, it depends what part of you you're talking about. Is it your flesh? Oh, your flesh doesn't want to do a lot of things. You know, they're trying to walk in grace. They're trying to walk in, in this freedom of relationship, but they don't know how to, how to do it out of their heart, out of a love relationship with God. There's a lot of things in the Old Testament, you know, that was there that goes through into the New Testament. But a higher standard. Matthew um, 5, where does it starts at verse 17. Just quickly read it. Jesus says... Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I do not come to abolish, but to fulfill it. 
For I truly say to you, until heaven and earth is passed away, not, not, not even the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that the ancients were told you shall not commit murder. Whoever commits murder shall be liable to the court. But I say to you, higher standard, that if anyone is angry with his brother and shall be guilty before the court, and whoever says to his brother, you're good for nothing, you're good for nothing idiot. If you call someone an idiot or you call someone stupid or foolish, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Therefore, if you are presenting your offering to the altar, and he talks about leaving it, dealing with it before you go to the Father. And he says, you have heard it said you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you, everyone who looks upon a woman with lust from, for her has already committed adultery with her. And it's a higher standard. You know, if you, if, it also goes to say in the Old Testament, it's an eye for an eye. But I say, you, you know, he, he, always a higher standard, always a higher standard, always a higher standard. Under grace, we're empowered to live the word. So if you say, oh, that's old covenant, then you should, by reason of the argument, you should give way more than 10%. You should. So I've never seen anyone that says, I'm under grace, I don't need to tithe. I just give whenever God tells me to give, ever give more than 10%. I really haven't. And another, another scripture in Hebrews, it says this new covenant is based on better promises. We're in the new covenant, and it's talking about the old covenant, and reflects the new to the old, and it always says, and it actually says, we're based on better promises. If it's a better promise, surely, if it was just an Old Testament thing or a law thing, shouldn't we start with 10% and be giving way more? I mean, the Holy Spirit moves so much on the people of Acts that they, some of them, not all of them, but some of them sold houses and laid at the apostles' feet for the sake of this kingdom and gave to those who are in need so that no one lacked. Imagine a generosity hitting our hearts that comes from heaven that no one lacked. There's a lot of scriptures we can go through, but it's really, really clear. It's the heart that God's after. He doesn't want, he wants us to, and, and understand the principle too. When you bring first the, the, the first, your, your first fruits, the 10% of all your increase, whenever God increases, you say, God, this first belongs to you. You see, you're enabling, you're empowering, you're contributing to the well-being of the church and the kingdom. So there could be spiritual food, but what does God do with that spiritual food? We wouldn't be in here if it wasn't faithful people over the years that tithe and put God first. Because we wouldn't be able to pay the electricity, we wouldn't be able to pay the air conditioning, the, the comfortable rooms, the comfortable seats. You know, uh, over the years, we're able to more and more put people on staff, pastors that shepherd you, care for you, spend time with you when you need it, and, and all these things to equip, to train. To, that's all, that's the pastors or wages is put on from the tithe. Youth, I mean, you know, we've got, we've got Ethan on youth, but it's one day a week. But wouldn't it be great to have someone full time? Wouldn't it be great to have someone full time for children? What happens? We're building for the next generation. We're building for your children, for your youth, for your young people, so that they can grow up in the ways of God. And that's just, that's just the local context. What about 
What about the city? What about reaching the lost? What about preaching the... We've been on radio and TV for 20-something years, 22 years for radio and 10 years for TV. What about the nations? What about when we go to crusades? Like That's all enabling us to do the work of the ministry. Over the years, we've given hundreds and hundreds of thousands, I think now, in the millions, because we as a church tithe and offer to the nations, to disciple the nations. Sometimes we build buildings, a whole building in, in Africa to train up church planters so they can go out and plant more churches. I want us to see the bigness of it. Your finances doesn't just go here and then we just only use it. No, it goes into discipling the nations as well, preaching this gospel of the kingdom. Imagine a father going to McDonald's. Imagine the father owns McDonald's, but he's got a little child and he buys the nice large French fries for the little kid, for his son. He gives it to his son and the son's loving it and the father just goes to grab one and he gets a slap on the hand. Imagine a father thinking, I just bought those chips for you. I own the whole McDonald's. I can buy as much as possible. I can buy way more. I can shower you with these French fries. But you slap my hand. That's... The, a father wouldn't want a child to learn stinginess and greediness and selfishness like that. You want to teach him to be generous and say, yes, yes. Uh, it's like we say, God the Father blesses us, enables us, equips us to, to make finances. And, we, and he, he says, I, I ask for the tithe and, and we slap him. No, God, I can't give the tithe. Have a bigger thinking. When I bring first to this, this first fruits, this 10% and offering, I know I'm going to be blessed. I know the windows of heaven are open over my life. This is foundational because we're all going to give, and a lot of us are going to be obedient to give to the, to the building, but this is, it starts with the tithe. I really wouldn't want people to give generously to the building and they don't have this foundation because then you won't be blessed. You don't have, you don't have, you don't have foundational protection. You don't have the windows of heaven open in your life in every area, which you can it's trusting God's pattern. You know, we live in a, you know, in a government, an amazing government, and we pay taxes. A person that makes income, and as you grow your income, you pay more taxes, but what's the taxes for? You can, we can whinge and, and, and upset about it because we, the devil tries to get us to think about, oh, they could be using it better. But, you know, the reality is we live in an amazing country. We've got amazing roads. We've got amazing hospitals. We've got an amazing police system. We've got an amazing fire system, uh, fire engines and amazing hospital. Amazing. We, we get medical for free. Don't take it for granted, but our tax pays for that. So a person that pays tax is a contributor to the community. Imagine if everyone says, no, no one's going to pay tax. We all choose not to pay tax. What's going to happen? We're gonna live, the whole economy will crash. So in a, in a same sort of principle... I believe that tithe is God's way of saying, I'm taking care of everything when we bring first the tithe to the, to the kingdom. Let it go in your heart. Let it go. Let it go. Trust him. God actually says, trust me in this. Test me in this. But I've, I've seen people t- try it. We never committed to this ever to, to try it. It's not like I'll try to see if it get blessed. I'll try to see if it works. And I try and I'm look for the next few months to see if it works. And then if because the devil convinces me if it doesn't work, I'm going to give up. All the devil has to do is put a bit of pressure and things look like they're going wrong a bit. And you go, oh, this tie thing doesn't work. So then, what, I'm, I'm actually saying your word doesn't work. I don't care what it looks like. I'm going to be faithful and tithe to God. And you will be blessed because you're committed to the word. 
I want to give, finish up with this example. How are we doing for time? I'll, I'll get yeah, these beautiful free people here. So this, this, because Carl was, is our, was our administrator and said, Leon, come, Sal, come. And look, imagine, um, <laughs> you can't up, Sal, I'm going to keep you up there. But imagine, I love these guys, they're close to me. I mean, he's my son, but so um, imagine I said to them, I've got to go on a long, long trip. Like I'm going to be away for over a, about a year or something. So I'm going to give you all $10,000 a month, every single one of you. It's how blessed I am, right? Just play with me for a second. Just, it's an example. He really wants the $10,000. But $10,000 a month, and I said, all I want from you guys is to give $1,000 a month to my wife and take care of my family while I'm away, my bride. Just $1,000 a month, okay? And so they all got $10,000 a month. I go away. I, I transfer it into their account every month. And after, say, five, four or five months, I call my wife, my bride, and I say, honey, how have they been going? Because I gave them the finances to steward. They're not, it's not even their money. To steward. I said, you can use the rest, but take care of my wife. Give her $1,000, my bride. And so I go to Carl. I mean, uh, sorry, I go to my wife. And my wife says, yeah, Carl, faithfully, like clockwork. Every, every first... First day of the month, he, he types, he gives me a thousand dollars. Gives me a thousand dollars. Really, really faithful. You know where this is going to go. I'm going to pick up and just and then Sal, and my wife says, oh, Sal, he's actually, he's amazing. He, he dives two thousand dollars. Types and offers two thousand dollars. I don't know why Christine goes, but he's giving me a thousand dollars on top of the thousand. So he's tithing and offering two thousand dollars towards me, saying he's really taking care of me. I said, what about Leon? He said, oh, Leon, he started off with 1000 He did well for the first month. The second month, he went to 800 And then the second, third month, he went to 600 The fourth month, I don't think anything came in. Now, <laughs> and I, as a father who wants to take care of my bride, that's Jesus, Jesus wants to take care of his bride, what do you think he's going to do? Well, should I keep giving him $10,000? Or give it to the ones that are taking care of my bride? That's how God the Father looks at it. Thanks, guys. Because it really is to take care of his church, his bride. To, to be food in my house, to be healthy. The ministries can dedicate themselves to seeking God, get anointed, and they come under, not just the ministry, they, they equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And you get anointed to be successful because under God, we're all priests and we influence our marketplace everywhere we go. Amen. And God has been amazing. God has been f- so amazing over the years. I mean, we've obviously, you know, as elders and that we lead the example, but, but when people do receive an inheritance or do receive a large power, they bring the first 10% to the kingdom and it helps us, enables us to get the job done. I really am convinced this is the key because it taps into God's pattern of provision and his provision, his wisdom is always more than enough. More than enough. Not barely making it, not just making it, but more than enough. And you become a contributor. Imagine going to a restaurant in Norton Street. Some of the restaurants I like. What is it? Um, Mario's, it's called. Mario's. Not Mario. It's not his restaurant. But, um, but Mario's, nice Italian restaurant. 
and they watch us online, so you had a plug there. But imagine going to Mario's, and I've got, um, and we've had a nice meal. They bless us amazing spaghetti marinara, enjoyed it, and they come to pay the bill at the end. I go, oh, today I want to, I want to pay Moretti's up the road. I want to give them the money for this. Are you eight here? What are you going to pay them for? Now, sometimes we think we can direct the tithe. We think, well, you know, because all in good, good intentions. So when I was growing up in my first church, I was growing in this church. I'm, my whole life's there, everything. And um, I started getting fed by other ministries. And I started getting good revelation, and good food from other ministries, overseas ministries. And I started thinking, I actually got tempted thinking, maybe I should give them part of my tithe. Or give them the tithe, because I feel like they're feeding me more than here. That was a lie, but I started thinking, maybe they're feeding me more than here. And the Lord said, no, Leo, you sowed your life here. Your life, meaning you planted yourself here. Your time, your effort, your gifts, your abilities, your skill, everything you are as a person, you sow it here. Why would you put your finances somewhere else? It's a part of your life. You sow your finances here. So you don't, the tithe is not for other ministries. The tithe is not for, uh, even there if there are amazing ministries out there, the compassion, well vision, amazing helping the poor. You might think, well, I, I, see, you might have good intentions, but I'm going to use this tithe to help the poor. But God didn't, you can't be, you can't be smarter than God. You can't be wiser than God. It wasn't God's, it's not God's pattern. If you're going to do that, it's going to be above your tithes and offering to the local house. It's the, it's, if anyone's asking for your tithe, then that, it's not a local church and you don't belong to it. It's an unbiblical model. The local... So local pastors in a local church, you belong to a place, a family, that's where your tithe belongs to. That's God's pattern. So sometimes we have good intentions, but you know, I was going to give to that people. And I came with a lot of money and I thought, I'm going to give it to that ministry because they're really helping people. God's planted you for a reason. If you can't trust, this is being really honest and transparent. If you can't trust us with finances and money, and so when you do bring your tithe and everything you can't trust it because I don't know what they're going to spend it on all that stuff if you can't do that then you should not be sitting under our ministry and receiving the word of God if you can't trust it because how can we be giving you the word of God from heaven if you don't trust us in those areas and I know there's been a lot of wrong things in the name of Christianity I know that I saw that video last night if you saw it you know he, he put up all the bad stuff too which was good I thought it was really good to show people yes there's some fakes out there doesn't mean there's no authentic and real amen so together we can make we can we can make an impact but on our own we can't do much but together we can make a massive impact and i i commend this church for the generosity and the graciousness of the way you have tithed and offered please hear my heart i i, I just think you guys are so generous and you are blessed because of it and God wants to trust us with more. He wants to bring us a whole new level, a whole new realm of trust. God wants to make millionaires in this church. Millionaires in your businesses. Big capacity. We're planning for actually on the 1st and 2nd of July, we're going to do a kingdom influence conference. We've got David Balestri and a man guy, another man by the name of David Leslie. We heard him a couple of weeks ago. Amazing. They'll be doing all day Friday, all day Saturday. So we're going to, what's that for? To equip people, not just businesses, but influencers. So if you've got an, you got an idea, and you see yourself, I'm going to make a, I, I believe God's going to call me to influence and, and, and finance the kingdom, then come. But we've, you know, Leon's put this world, this, this whole vision together. And I don't know if you saw that there's a, there's a chart downstairs that 
the million dollars that we're trusting God for this heart for the house. And if you're listening online and you happen to make $10 million and you want to tithe to the church, we'll put it towards the building. Yeah. Amen? Because I'm believing that there's going to be people that will literally offer a million dollars and even tithe a million for making them $10 million. And, and, um, but there's a pledge here that we will do on the 26th of June that you could write down what you're trusting God to give. You might say, Leo, I don't have any, any finances. Well, just trust God. Open your heart and say, Lord, I'm going to trust let it be something that God gives you. Let it be stretch your faith and say, I'm going to trust to give this amount. And you might not have it. God can bring it to you. You shift your heart and in your faith, God can bring an amount that you couldn't even imagine He can bring to you if you're willing to give to the kingdom. I really believe that. And so, you know, we can work out, there's a, a pledge for 2022 this year and a pledge for 2023. And again, you're trusting with the Holy Spirit. We'll explain this more as the weeks go on, but you're trusting with the Holy Spirit. Have a read through it. Prayerfully consider it. Have a read through this. But in the next few weeks, we will explain it a bit more. But we're already at $132,000. And we haven't even started. We're going to start. And, and some people have given, and it's amazing. But we believe we can reach a million dollars. And next year, we, we reach another million dollars. And we're going to purchase this building. Amen. And imagine God brought us here by His grace. Don't take it for granted. But see what it can do for the city, not just what it does for you, you know, the comfortability of coming to church. I like this place, this is nice. But think of what we can do in our city. Like even this Kingdom Influences, uh, Kingdom yeah, Influence Conference, it's going to be for the city. So if you know business people, you know people that are believers and want to come, and even, even business people that aren't believers, invite them to come. Amen? Wonderful. Well, I want to say, we love you. We love you dearly. You guys are amazing. You're champions. Can we pray? Father, we thank you for your word, the wisdom of your word, the pattern, the principles. Lord, the pattern of how you provide for the church, supernaturally, yet supernatural, and an abundance of finances, more than we need. Lord, we don't want to give just out of need. We want to give out a revelation. We thank you for this, Father, that we, out of revelation, that when we say, you can have it all, God, we actually mean it. You can have it all. And that means, Lord, you can have the 10%. It belongs to you. You said, bring back the tithe and offer. We want to give, uh, bring back 10%, but also give an offering. Lord, we thank you every week, faithfully, every increase, wherever the increase comes from, Lord, we want to bring it to you first. In Jesus' name, adjust our hearts. We adjust our hearts. We submit to your word. We won't only try it, but we will commit to doing it for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the GGC Life podcast. If you'd like to partner with us, you can visit ggclife.com forward slash give. We hope you have an amazing week. Be blessed.